Exit Podcast. This is Dr. Bennett, joined here by Paul Tijerina with SHT. He's a functional nutritional therapist and master health coach. Wanted to talk to him about the coaching game in general, fitness, nutrition, etc. So welcome to the show, Paul. Hey, thanks for having me, Dr. Bennett. Bennett. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your business and, and, and your background. Um, well, I mean, uh, I'm a functional nutritional therapist and health coach, which basically means I teach people how to eat real food, how to sleep, how to meditate and practice mindfulness, how to work out. And then you could also throw in there how to get outdoors, how to go barefoot, how to, you know, the importance of getting sun exposure. Um, there's a little bit of some minimalism in there. Um, more and more, I think you and I talked the other day, uh, more and more my message is gravitating towards a message of self-reliance which now starts to include, then you have to talk about like wealth, uh, you know, and, and I'm not an expert in wealth, but you know, it's like, I'm trying to facilitate that information for my clients and members and preparedness, you know? So it's all, all those things kind of combined. <clears throat> um, whatever I've learned over the years, I basically want to empower my people with the information that I felt like has empowered me. And so as I empower myself with new and different information, that's what I want to share with my people. So. Yeah. So why, why coaching for you and specifically why this type of coaching? Um, well, I mean, do you mind if I go into just a, a, like what got me here in the first place? Absolutely. I don't, I don't, I don't know if we talked about that the other day. Um, so I, I think my story is probably very similar to a, a lot of people. Okay. And that is basically, I started out my life as a young kid. I was very happy, go lucky. Um, you know, very, raised my hand at all the questions, wore mismatched clothes, didn't care about anything, was out playing until eight o'clock at night. And my parents had to call me in and, you know, you're coming in when it's dark and you barely got to watch TV because it just, you know, that's how I grew up. And, and then, and I, I just remember as a kid being very happy. My parents were both together. Um, when I uh, got into high school, like something shifted, you know, I, I, I noticed myself less happy uh, caring more about fitting in with other people, having the right kind of pants and shoes and all that BS, right? Um, but there was something else happening there, and I, I, I couldn't, I didn't realize it until here recently. Um, and then I got out of high school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't want to waste my my parents' money on college, and so I enlisted in the military. And then um, uh, once I was enlisted for a little bit, I found a way to compete for an appointment to West Point. I went to the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, and. <clears throat> I went through a, a disillusionment, disillusionment phase after somewhere towards the end of that experience and realized that it, like I wanted to be, I thought I wanted to be a lifer, like a, just a freaking hardcore special forces, you know, all that stuff. And then I just, you know, I just lost my interest in it. So got out and didn't know what I wanted to do. Went to bartending school, sold insurance and was just, I just had a really miserable life. And connecting all that together, what I realized is I lost my health, which is what contributed to my lack of happiness and my miserableness, you know? So, so when I was a kid, and this is, again, I just kind of pieced this together not too long ago. When I was a kid, I was relatively happier because not knowing it, I was, my, I was living with both my parents and my dad. All we ate was real food, but we didn't really know that that's what we were doing. And it was basically meat and vegetables and, you know, full fat yogurt and eggs and, and, and then I 
when my parents divorced, I was in about the fourth grade or something like that. Um, I went to live with my mother, single parent mom. She worked all day. We were latchkey kids and we transitioned to top ramen, uh, macaroni and cheese, pop tarts for breakfast. Like it was like just the worst things possible, but again, not knowing. And I truly believe looking back that that had a big impact on my happiness or lack of happiness or something along those lines, you know, my performance in all areas, you know, and then as I got out of high school, I tried to do the right thing. I was doing all the diets, read all the magazines, men's health, muscle and fitness, flex magazine, you know, followed all the superstars and did all the, you know, eating every two or three hours, protein shakes, bars, juicing, um, uh, low fat egg whites. I mean, you may oatmeal in the morning and, you know, when I hit my mid thirties, I went in for a checkup and it was one of my first checkups since being out of the military. And I was like 275 pounds, extremely high blood pressure, pre-diabetic, um, you name it, horrible digestive issues. But, but that happened, it was cumulative damage. And so it was very subtle as it was happening. And then when I had this realization, like, holy moly, I'm a mess right now. Like I, I thought I was doing all the right things. That was my second disillusion moment. That's when I found uh, kind of the area where I'm at right now, which is, I would call it kind of like ancestral health, you know, um, trying to connect with a, some kind of an evolu evolutionary lens and combining that with modern science. And so when you ask like why health coaching and why am I doing this? Because I just see myself and every single person out there, like the majority of the population is suffering and struggling and it's not their fault because they've been given the wrong information and they're trying to make that information work. And so I have, I have the solution. I have this gift and I just want to give it to as many people as I can. And that's it. Cause I want people to experience what I experienced. Yeah. I've, I've, I noticed on your website that your approach seems to be kind of method agnostic. You, you, you talk about, you'll, you'll, you'll guide people through keto, carnivore, vegan, paleo, whatever they want to do. How do you, how do you decide what's in the tent and what's not? Um, as far as like those concepts or methodologies or something like that, right? Like what what you'll what you'll steer people toward and what you won't. Well, um, so health coaching when when it's pri when it's done privately, which is very different from like seminars and progressions, right? Because that's kind of like a cookie cutter approach, right? Um, health coaching is really trying to meet people where they're at, and and I can't. Well, honestly, the first five years of my health coaching, I was basically just teaching. I was just telling them they'd come to my office, they'd pay to see me, I'd tell them what to do, and hopefully they did it. And if they didn't, they'd come back and I'd say, why didn't you do it? Let's try it again, you know. So, But now yeah. I've evolved, and, it, and it's more of what is it that you want? Like, what are the results that you want to experience? You know, like, what what uh, what is it going to do for your life? And when they can connect with this higher purpose and a vision for themselves and their health, then we start to fill that in with, okay, so what do we need to do to get there? Because most people already know, like, I, I know I need to change this, or I know that this is not necessarily the best thing. So I'm, I'm meeting them where they are, and they're deciding what changes they want to make. And then also they are coming to me for advice because of my knowledge. So then it usually leads into, okay, so if we're trying to do this, then, you know, what, what are the best changes to make? Let's try to figure this out together. And it turns into a little bit of some education but blended with, you know, what it is that they're trying to accomplish. So um, I usually don't even get into talking about the methodologies ever unless someone specifically asks me about it, you know, because most people you just tailor them to, to their approach or to what they want. Yeah. To what they want. And there's, there's basic general guidelines. I think every human being on the planet should abide by. So that's kind of where we start a framework, you know, 
But um, most people that come to see me, and I'm sure anyone that listens to this or watches this is probably going to have the same experience. Most people that come to see me have have done the paleo. They've done the keto. They've done the vegan. And, and for whatever reason, they didn't stick with it. And I have my thoughts about that, but we rarely go into methodology talk. We really go into principles and concepts and, and guidelines and frameworks, you know. Yeah, there's a, there's there's an absolute uh, well, there's a definite definite uh, comparison to be drawn between fitness and entrepreneurship in the sense that if it was just about pointing someone in the direction of the right protocol or the right book or the right business model or whatever, um, you could just write that book and sell it. But mm-hmm. this is um, this has to do with faith persistence, vision, and that's so much harder to inculcate in another person. How do you, how do you approach that? And, and what, what have you seen work for you? Well, I mean, I would ask you the same thing because do you do the same thing with people? Um, Aren't you kind of uh, entrepreneurial kind of coach based? Well, there's definitely, there's definitely some analogs. I mean, I, I would, I would characterize what I do as primarily about getting you in the right room with the right people. Um, I am not, uh, I am not the central knowledge base. I just know who knows the answer. Yeah. 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 And I remember <laughs> Renee saying that, like you were uh, just an amazing connector, you know, and, and, and I remember him saying like, he's like, if I have a question about any industry or topic, it's like, I, I know that I'm going to find the answer, you know? Uh, yeah. With, with Dr. I mean, Bennett, with, with, with the exit group. Yeah. Yeah, that's been that's been my experience, and I, I've actually been a little bit surprised by that at how at how deep the network is. Um, but I would say the the biggest challenge for me, or what what I have found to 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 work as far as that, I guess you could call it spiritual issue, is not only educating people about like what works, like the kind of stuff they could learn in maybe an MBA classroom or or, or, or a, a a business seminar or something but walking them through people who have succeeded and under what circumstances they succeeded or didn't succeed and and because i think i think one of the biggest hurdles to overcome with a lot of people is they they feel that a they have to have a world changing idea they have to have the one in a million facebook uber you know whatever invention to 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 introduce to the world. Yeah. And then B, they think that they have to quit their job and take a flying leap. Yep. And so they have to be so, so, so confident and, and, and hardly anybody's ever that confident. Yeah. So, yeah. so a big part of it is like, A, it can be a small idea. It can be, it can be something that a million people have done before and you can still make money at it. And then B, yep. Um, you can get that started on a Friday evening. You can get it started on a weekend afternoon. Like you can, you can dip your toes in, you can ease in, you can, you can invest a hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, thousand dollars, you know? Um, I had a guy asking me in the group, you know, does it make sense to start my business right now with the economy going the way that it is? And he was, you know, fair enough. He was, he was asking about a pretty, um, a pretty cyclical industry that, that, that doesn't respond well to recessions. 
but what I told him was, um, you know, I, I wouldn't go get a lease for a $3,000 a month commercial property for this business. But if there's elements of, because he wanted to do food service. And so I was like, if there's elements of this where you can sell what you make at a farmer's market and you can use your existing materials, your existing equipment to do it, there's absolutely no reason not to do that. And you can build a customer base. You can make money at it. You know, it, it, it's just about scaling your approach to what you have available to you and your risk tolerance in that moment. So, yeah, yeah I, I agree. that's been my experience. But yeah, I, I wanted to hear more about, about, uh, about in the fitness world, how do you, because it's a similar hump, right? There'll be people who are like, say, it's almost identical. It's very, very I don't want to be Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. or something. And it's like, yeah. well, you're not going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. So let's, you know, let's, yeah. let's yeah. talk through no, what actually happened uh, here. Yeah. So, and when you say fitness realm, I know that you mean health in general, because fitness is probably the smallest part of what I do. Um, mm. I, if I had, if I had to weight the different areas um, that I work with people on, I'd say, 80% is nutrition, the rest is sleep and, and mindset and mindfulness and fitness and all the other stuff, you know, but, um, mm -hmm. but it mirrors, you know, what you're saying. Um, and I totally hear it. Uh, there's a couple of things I almost wanted to take some notes because I had some thoughts on it. Um, there is this perception of uh, all or nothing, you know, either or, and it's not an either or it's an and is right. And, and like you're saying, like, it's, it's very similar to my health coaching approach, which is like, instead of overhauling everything at once, or jumping from zero to freaking low carb keto, you know, like some, it's like, you know, no, you can just make this small little change right here. And then once you see the benefits from that, maybe you'll get a little bit more excited and you'll want to add to that. And that's, that's very similar to what we're saying with the business thing. Um, and just to, uh, just to kind of, um, highlight some of your points there about, you know, people, well, this has already been done. Like nothing's been done the way that you could do it. Like there's, I can't even tell you how many health coaches there are out there or people doing something similar to me, but they're not me and they're not doing it my way and, and they're never going to be me or do it my way, you know? So, so there's that personal uh, X factor, you know, that you can always bring to the table. So um, the other thing that you said about, you know, jumping in the $3,000 know, overhead expenses, like, yeah, absolutely. Like start small, start with something that gives you a taste of it. Cause maybe it's not what you think it is or what you want to do or what you'd enjoy or something along those lines. But I think your original question to that was how do you get someone to connect with that spiritual piece? And um, I think it's the most important thing. I think a lot of people, well, at least in my practice, you know, when people come to see me, they know that something's off. They know that something doesn't feel right or they want something to change. Maybe they're not sure what exactly it is, but they're there for a reason. Just like an entrepreneur is probably showing up. It, it's there for a reason. That person is there for a reason. And then it's trying to get them to connect with, okay, so what is it that you actually want? And then sometimes that can help you make your decisions, you know, instead of saying, um, you know, I think that I want this because that's what I've been taught my entire life. I need to make this amount of money and have this kind of house. And, and therefore it has to be this kind of a career. Or if I'm an entrepreneur, it has to look like this and be like this and original Uber, you know, like you're saying, no, it doesn't have to be that way. What do you want? What do you like? What are you passionate about? What do you enjoy? If I, if I got this one life to live, I might as well try to align what it is that I'm doing with what it is that resonates with. Uh, my best self or what I think is my best self or what I'd enjoy or something along those lines. Yeah. And maybe, you know, talking about my approach to, 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 um, to helping these guys and, and, and your approach to your clients, I think there's another similarity, which is it's 
because I'm I'm very I'm very method agnostic too. I'm 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 not like I'm not trying to tell everybody to be a plumber. I'm not trying to tell everybody to be a coder. I'm not trying to tell everybody to go into e-commerce. It's mm-hmm. it's what do you want? And 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 I guess maybe the the advantage that I have, it's not necessarily that like, you know, I'm I'm smarter than them, but I spend all day looking at all i look at the possibility space all day i'm talking to these people all day long and so i Mm -hmm. i have visibility on like here's all the things that i see going on and you get to just pick you know does does one of these options sound interesting to you and if not why not and and you know what's the next step and so you have this this visibility this familiarity with the literature Mm -hmm. and you can say hey you know uh this particular diet you know you want to be a big beefy physique, this particular diet may not provide the protein to support that or whatever, you know, versus you want to be a marathon runner and you need the endurance and that's a whole different, you know? So yeah, yeah, I I think think it's about, it's about visibility and helping people stay apprised of their options. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's so useful to connect it with what it is you're trying to do. Like, what is it that you want? What are you trying to do? Okay. So that's going to dictate some of the things that you need to put into practice in order to get this thing that you think that you want. But I I think at first you almost have to scrutinize what it is that you think you want. Is that something that you actually want? Or is it something that's been given to you that you don't know has been given to you because you've been raised to think that, you know, you're supposed to be or do or or whatever. And I I come across a lot of that and, you know, nutrition stuff. I'm always say again. And what are the trade-offs? Yeah, and what are the trade-offs? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, we have a lot of guys uh, in, in our group who have a lot of knowledge that they could share. Mm-hmm. How did you get to the point where you felt confident enough, like, okay, I could probably share this knowledge base professionally? Yeah, that's a really good question. Because you kind of run the risk of, I remember when I did insurance, I um, hesitated doing the things that would actually make me money because I felt like I had to have these things put together first. You know, I had to have my presentation, my handouts, you know, all this busy work that make me feel good about myself. It wasn't making me any money. And, um, and that was a really hard lesson, but I'm really thankful for it because by the time I got into what I'm doing now, I realized that, um, that you don't, it's impossible for you to have it all put together before you do it. Like it's impossible to feel a hundred percent confident that like, I know exactly what I'm doing, especially when you're starting out, you know? Um, I don't know, you know, with me, I I felt like I knew a lot on my own from my personal experience. It did help going to um, a school and getting a, uh, a coaching foundation, you know, so I just had a, a process, you know, but after that, like it was really all about just getting out there and just putting it into practice and, and, um, having the humility, I had no problem in the beginning saying, hey, I'm starting out, but look, I'm really passionate about this. And I, I feel like I know a lot about this and I'm here to help, you know. Um, I'm also a really big fan of committing to things that you don't have put together, which forces you to put it together. So I remember early on out here in Vegas, I just, because from the insurance world, I was used to knocking on doors. I would go, I'd hang up, you know, posters on uh, poles and walls. And I, uh, I went cold calling on Whole Foods and sprouts and like all these health centers and things and i got some talks you know i got some talks lined up i used to talk a lot down at the whole foods at um the main las vegas boulevard location but i remember her first couple of requests she's like can you do it can you do can you uh do a talk on this and it would have been a mistake for me to say no 
you know, I didn't have it put together, but I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And then I go back and I put it together, you know? So I learned early on that it's like, you know, you're not going to be completely ready for, to the degree that you feel like you need to be, but what right. if you have the passion and the drive and the vision and you know, it, once you start putting it into pro, uh, moving, getting the process moving, then it forces certain actions and it forces you to put certain things together. You know, like I remember my first shopping list. Um, I didn't even think about shopping lists, right? But I'm sitting there working. So I was like, well, you need a list. Okay, let's put a list together. Oh, this is a list everybody could benefit from. All right, I'll put a list. And then that's evolved over time, you know? So I think yeah. the, just getting out there and um, hitting the pavement and, and putting some stuff into action is going to facilitate more action. I, I think I almost think fascination is an advantage in itself. Like yeah, curiosity. So I, uh, I have a guy um, who he reads all. He loves business books, loves them, mm-hmm. and he's always like, "Hey, have you read this or this or this?" And I'm always like, "No, I haven't. I haven't read that book." And and I realized that his nobody has an appetite for business books like he does. Mm-hmm. We've got another guy who, who does um, union typology, like, like Myers-Briggs, um, personal temperament profiling. And he started out with this really strong interest in like, I want to teach all my clients everything I know about this. And I was like, your fascination with this is absolutely unique no one loves this as much as you do and that like number one that means you're not going to teach everybody everything you know because they don't they don't they don't want to know everything you know but number two you you can do it like a magic trick you can pull the quarter from behind their ear and blow their minds and that will always be true you don't you don't have this like this like stealable thing yeah that's your forever yeah. So we're kind so, of back to that, that concern of like, is it, you know, I have to have the latest and greatest, the best thing or something like that. Right. right? And you don't have to, because it is. Um, and that's a good way to maybe find your purpose and passion is like, what is it that you're really excited about and interested in? You know, like as you're saying that, yeah. like that resonates with me so much in this health world. Like I, I am so fascinated with it and I want what works. And so I'm out there tinkering all the time and, I don't share everything with my people. I share what, what I find to work. And then I yeah. do experiment on my clients, not telling them that I'm experimenting on them, but say, Hey, let's try this, you know, and then you get <laughs> feedback. And then, and then that over time formulates guidelines, you know, but yeah, I completely agree with you. Like being curious and fascinated with something. That's a, that's a really good indicator of something that could be a, you know, a passion or a business or something along those lines. Yeah. My, my, my friend Tanner Guzzi does style coaching and he, he said, uh, you just have to know more than them. You have to you have to be more interested and more engaged, and you have to have something to give them that they don't know, yeah. and um, and that's definitely uh, proven to be the case for me, especially when I have this like backup of like if I don't know the answer, I can go, I, I know where to get it, and I will go get mm-hmm. it for you, and you won't have to dig through, uh, like you know, in in my my temperament guy's case, he might have to read books about about temperament. You might have to read books about nutrition. I may have to go do a bunch of pavement pounding and and talking to people and networking that is exhausting to most people. Yeah. And yep. and so yeah, so it's 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 yours. It's your own thing. Um, yep. I wanted to uh, 
ask you, so you, you mentioned doing this like really traditional marketing of like hanging up flyers and do it like talking at Whole Foods and stuff. What, as, as your practice has grown, what have you found to be the most successful marketing channel or is it, does it have to be everything all at once? Yeah, I don't know. You know, as I was saying that, actually, I was like, man, that does sound kind of archaic because I don't even know if they have telephone poles anymore. But in my neighborhood, you know, I was trying to get like um, when I, where I first lived here in Vegas, I was trying to get like little garage talks going. And I did, you know, um, uh, what is the best marketing? I don't know, man. That's just hard to do. I, th I think building an email list is crucial, you know, because of all the different platforms out there. Um, I mean, we see what happens with censorship and um, and, and when someone owns something that's not yours and how it can be manipulated and taken away, I think your email list is kind of crucial. I wish I would have learned that lesson uh, earlier on, but I'd say starting right away, cultivating an email list. And it could be as simple as like your friends and family starting out. And, I mean, every opportunity I get, I try to get like contact info so I can send info and, and get people into my newsletter. So I think I think that's really solid. Um, you can't discount the the um, the power of social media. I'm sure you probably follow Gary V and, you know, or I'm sure a lot of people watching this too. So he'd say that's everything, but, um, I don't know, man, that's tough. Okay. Email list is crucial. And, and then just being a walking billboard for what it is that you're doing. So if you're, if you're really passionate and excited about it, like you're, I mean, you're, you're just putting it out there every chance you get, like I'm standing in line at a grocery store. I'm not a salesperson necessarily, but I'm just like, like you said, I'm fascinated, curious, and I'm having conversations and striking things up. The conversation always gets to, what do you do? Or you really wish I could, you know, I always try to pick up on people, uh, you know, symptoms and, and not feeling good and things like that. And then I spend a lot of my time or not a lot. I probably should spend more, but um, what drives this whole thing is the, the money making part of it. So every day I spend a certain amount of time on outreach, you know, like just creative ways to, to hit people up and, and try to schedule talks and things like that. So. Do you find that? So like for me, I, I find that my most successful, like probably bang for buck in terms of my, my personal investment of time and effort. If I can go on a podcast um, and, and make the pitch, I feel like I'm better at the verbal pitch than, than sometimes the written pitch uh, for you. Is it, is it, that that kind of mass communicating thing do you feel like you're better when you've got like personal physical eye lock with the person in the room uh, from a marketing standpoint definitely the masses like i uh so i did insurance before coming into this and it was mainly worksite group health insurance and uh indemnity stuff like dental and accident insurance stuff like that so yeah. um very familiar with the workplace and enrollment conditions so then i come into this and that's why i was putting up posters and hitting up Whole Foods and trying to get talks because I knew that if I could get in front of 15, 20 people, that was way better than me trying to do one-on-ones all the time. So that's a huge part of what I do is, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, I mean, YouTube presence, podcast presence. Um, I, I, I try to do as many corporate talks as I can get into, um, you know, maybe like once a week or something like that. So yeah, that there's power in the group thing from, from my perspective. I mean, some people may resonate with something different, but Totally agree with what that. Is the, what is the pitch for, what is the pitch that you're making to the corporation and what is the pitch that the corporation's making to the employees as far as like, why am I here to talk to the, the, the bolt factory or the whatever it is? Yeah. 
Well, for me, from a company employer perspective or business owner perspective, it's really about improving the workplace environment, like the the morale and the camaraderie. I mean, you think about people that are healthier, they're happier, and, and they're kind of on, on a joint mission together. Um, but then you're also reducing healthcare plan utilization costs. People lose weight. They come off their meds. I mean, that's a, that's a huge cost for businesses, and it always has been, and it gets worse every year. So the mitigation of healthcare costs, improvement in employee presenteeism and absenteeism based on being healthier. Um, but then I think just the morale of it. You know, I had a talk with a Colorado-based company last week, and and we were talking about this, and she's like, uh, I was like, you know, more companies need to be doing this for their people because there's so many benefits that come from it. And she was like, yeah, we've definitely experienced the cost savings, the medical plan reduction and utilization. But she's like, the biggest thing that I've noticed is people are just so thankful and so happy to have access to this info, which translates into a more productive employee, you know? So mm. it's like the healthier and happier an employee, the better they're going to function. But if someone's toxic and clo- uh, foggy and, and tired and like, you know, it's just, it's going to facilitate a different work environment. Yes. Yeah, so you have this individualized approach to a one-on-one coaching client obviously in that corporate setting you're going to be talking about broad principles what what kind of material do you cover in the in the corporate pitch uh well i have like a a real food basics talk a sleep basics talk a fitness foundations talk so that's where we mainly cover a lot of the principles and guidelines so i I mean i could go into some examples if you'd like but yeah 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 um, Yeah. I mean, so like with nutrition, you know, I mean, um, in some ways we're method methodology agnostic, but there's just certain principles and guidelines that we, we think everyone needs to abide by, you know, and one of them is, you know, what's the point of eating food? Well, you should be eating food because if you really think about it, like, why do we eat? Well, we should be eating for nutritional value to give the body what it needs to do what it needs to do. And um, we should be eating to facilitate the, the creation of energy in a certain way. So we can talk about some general principles such as that in the context of a group. And that makes a lot of sense with everyone. Um, and then when we come to specific food recommendations, we try to be aware and sensitive to people's beliefs. And, and you know, some people may be vegan and they're listening to me talk about eating meat and stuff like that. But I can still always bring it back to the principle of regardless of what you believe in, when you eat food, this is what you need to be doing. This is how you need to strategize it. So that's just one example. Yeah. Yeah. So is it pretty much, is it going to be stuff that, that people have heard before, uh, you know, uh, plenty of vegetables, turn your phone off before you go to bed. Um, or, or are there, are there sort of counterintuitive or surprising elements to it? Nah, man, I feel like my talks are mind blowing. I really do. Like, I feel like, and again, it's born out of experience. I've been doing this for a while and, and I keep evolving. I'm not stagnant at all. And I try to put concepts into, in, in, into uh, ways that people can understand it. Like, you know, like layman's, sure. um, you know what I'm saying? Like real people, like, you know, wh- how can I get this to impact someone? So I feel like my concepts are very, very original and unique, but they make sense, you know? So, yeah. Um, and then we're definitely not eat more fruits and vegetables. I mean, if we really got specific about it, you know, I mean, we're all about fruits and vegetables. It's totally fine if that's your thing, but, but I'm not the the apple leafy, um, moving, <laughs> move, move in the plant-based direction kind of guy, because I just don't, I don't think it's what's best for most human beings, you know? So are you, are you a big fan of carnivory then or yeah? What, um, what's your personal uh, diet like? 
Well, I'm a fan of real food first, whatever that is for you. Right. So, um, I mean, I'm not a fan of any extremes. So I would say vegans an extreme carnivores an extreme keto's an extreme, right? The, the reason most people come see me after trying those things is because they can't sustain it for a lifetime, right? You want something that's, sure. that's flexible and adaptive and allows you to embrace modern conveniences and, um, you know, like simple things like we allow microwaving of food, like some, some zealots would say that's, you know, there's problems with that. Like, well, if it's the make or break thing with a client and they need to have a warm meal and then otherwise they're just not going to eat real food, then I'm totally for it, you know? But personally, um, I don't know. My meals look kind of, um, it's very, uh, protein and meat heavy, um, with, uh, the filling of, uh, some, some plant matter and some fruit and some starches. So it's, um, it's kind of animal based, but, um, mm. you know, and, and that's born out of just a lot of self-testing. Um, my, my wife has uh, a really rare autoimmune, uh, condition. And so we've had to do a lot of elimination diets. And so I would do them with her. And then in that process, we would always figure out, hey, you know what? Dang, I didn't know it, but like, I don't do good on broccoli. Oh, shoot. I don't do good on cauliflower. Oh, you know, it's like through that process, we've kind of fine tuned our way of eating to where it's like we have a very simple list of things that we can eat and feel good. So that's how that's how a lot of that individuality comes out is, is if you really pay attention to how things make you feel and you put yourself through, because um, this is another thing we facilitate both in our groups and, and with our private health coaching is, um, uh, just getting people to do self experiments, right? You have a framework, you understand these basic concepts around nutrients and creating energy. Okay. So now within this framework, I need to start doing some experimenting and the experiments could be, I mean, they're infinite. You know, I could do an animal based experiment. I could do a plant based experiment. I could do no dairy experiment. I could do a no nightshades experiment, no oxalates, um, no histamines or histamine based diet. Um, and the list just goes on and on. When, when you do that and you're in this constant mode of just tinkering with it, like there's, there's some consistencies that start to pop up and, and you learn for yourself, you know, what you do best on. In the process of that coaching um, and encouraging people to experiment and the experiments that you're running on your clients, mm-hmm. are there, are there common foods that you've identified where you've gone like, Oh wow. A lot of people don't do good on this food. Yeah. Can you give me an example? Wheat. American wheat. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Pretty so, much everybody, huh? Yeah. Um, a little more nuanced. It's hard to pick up on, but, um, you know, we have what we call our deal breakers. So, uh, wheat now, now the caveat with wheat is if you can get a traditional sourdough that's made with, an, um, some ancestral grains and it mm-hmm. actually uses a sourdough starter that ferments, versus most of the store-bought sourdough is not sourdough. It's like sourdough flavored bread. Um, so, mm-hmm. so we'd be fine with a traditionally prepared bread, like a sourdough uh, bread. But, um, but in general, I think most people just, when I say wheat, that means for most people, pasta and bread and pastries and cookies and, and all the junk, you know? Um, yeah. so, uh, so that's one of our, our, what we call deal breakers. And then the highly processed plant-based oils, like soybean oil and canola oil and corn oil and vegetable oil and, um, there's a list of others, but uh, most people almost know immediately feeling better when they eliminate those things. And they know immediately when they've had it after being without it for a while, because they get some kind of reaction from it. So, so those would be the biggest things Um, within that, you know, like some people are sensitive to carbohydrates and some people are Mm -hmm. sensitive to different types of carbohydrates, you know, so some people do better on rice and some people do better on sweet potatoes. Um, Like, and then that list I went through before, I mean, some people are very sensitive to nightshades, 
my wife uh, is very sensitive to histamine producing foods or mast cell activation, which would be basically anything pickled or cured, you know, which was a heartbreaker um, because we ate a lot, we ate a lot of bacon in the beginning. <laughs> and right. then, I, I remember the first night we took bacon out, we're like, no, nah, it can't be bacon. You know, bacon's like our, one of our staples, you know. Um, it was the first night she slept with her mouth closed and breathed through her nose. And I was like, holy moly. Okay. I guess there's something to oh, this. Oh, wow. A while back. Knocked yeah. Inflammation down. Say again? I knocked the inflammation down so she could breathe better. Yeah. 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 So in the histamine situation, you, you just got an overreaction um, of the body to things that it might not normally be sensitive to. So, and there's just things that have been proven to, to be a trigger for a lot of people. And it's not that those things are bad inherently. Like I think pork is great. I think bacon's great if you tolerate it. But it's just like, there's just so many things like that. Like everyone is so uh, individual and different. It's, it just kind of blows my mind that like every client that I have has a different sensitivity. Uh, dairy is a big one. Cow dairy is a big one for a lot of people. I'm fine with it, but um, my girl can't do cow's dairy and a lot of my clients can't either. They can do goat dairy or sheep dairy or something like that. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've been cutting out seed oils pretty much entirely uh, for, from our diet and... and um... That I've noticed. Yeah, I I went uh, and did a a bowl of of uh, top ramen um, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, and I, immediate like headache, exhausted, like I, it basically knocked me out for the rest of the night. Yeah. Um, and I I was I was stunned at how dramatic that was. And I I probably had a bowl of top ramen every day as a teenager, which yeah. you know probably I, uh, I grew up on it. I could have been six three. I could have had a full head of hair. You never, man. Got to go talk that's to mom. Right. Go yell yep, at mom. Yep. We didn't know any better. We didn't know any better. That and that's the thing, man. As I look at this population, you know, it's like it's epic. It's like it's an epic movie unfolding, you know. And the human race is it's devolving. Like it, it really is. Like it's yeah. things are way worse than when I was in high school. And when I look at the population, I have so much compassion for these people because they know they don't know the truth. When I look at people's grocery carts, they're trying to do the low fat and the whole wheat versions and the um, and the soy based and the plant based. And, you know, not that if that's your thing, that's great. Like, so I'm not knocking the plant based necessarily, but it's like when people are trying to do these these alternatives and these health things that we've been taught from conventional wisdom and the mainstream narrative. And then you look at the results they're getting, which they're not. It's like, you know, right. I, it's not their fault because this is what we've been taught. We're, we've been taught from the wrong sources. So I, I just have a lot of compassion. You know, it's just like it, it's not it, it. It feeds the system. You know, it feeds the medical system. And I feel like it really disempowers us to a large degree. Absolutely. It, it, and man, there's nothing worse than there's nothing worse than seeing little kids that are already like almost obese and it's like man it's just what a like you know i I feel like some of like i probably i probably uh you know give give me a different genetic endowment i definitely could have been obese it it, it's not like i had a much smarter diet as a kid um but 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 some kids you know just and and their families are just so much more responsive to these toxins i know and uh it's it's unbelievable well, you have um, generational uh, toxicity, toxicities and deficiencies that are passed down, you know, so um, there's a lot of uh, great, interesting work from pioneers way before us um, that, that noticed this. You know, it's like you know, if I'm really sick and unhealthy and metabolically deranged, 
that's one thing. But if I continue that and then I have kids, then they're predisposed to that derangement. And then if they don't fix things, then they have an, an you know, an even um, a more escalated version of that. And it just continues on. You know? So we're like in what the fifth or sixth generation of processed food and you're seeing it everywhere. Yeah. And I mean, that's it, 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 people's energy level and their, their temper and their, it, you know, I, I think it affects family culture as much as, as much as alcohol can, you know, like it can be that uh, invasive into the, the, one of, one of my guys is, is very concerned about the culture and he talks about the family vibe. Um, and, and I think that, that this is one of those things that can really influence the family vibe. I try to, I try to show my kids me working out and being outside and eating healthy food and turning things down, you know, uh, because I think, I think there's a huge element of of culture that's involved there as well as the stuff that you're talking about epigenetic stuff and um absolutely dimensionality to it yeah how much of the um behavioral problems and um depression and anxiety and suicide and violence and all that and we talk about this all the time i mean how much of it if these people learned how to eat real food and uh cultivate some metabolic health, like how much better would those things improve? If these people were at a body composition that they were happy with and they were confident in, they felt like they were being perceived by other people in a positive way, you know, and they had good energy levels throughout the day and they had clear thinking, like, you know, how much of these problems that we're experiencing would be there? I think most of them would go away. So it's a huge component. Yeah. That's kind of my message with people is like health is um, it could be, or it should be, the first foundation or your first priority, because with better health, um, everything gets better. Like, you know, everything about your life gets better. Your, your, your work situation, your family situation, um, everything that you care about, you're able to show up to it better. I think, I think a lot of the derangement of young people in terms of politics, in terms of sexuality, in terms of just, just the way things are getting weird out here, I think there's a huge component of that, which is they are getting, they are alienated in their personal lives and they are disconnected and they are not getting those positive responses from real human beings in the real world. And then we've got this other world they can go to where they like, uh, somebody did a tweet that was like, you know, if, if you lived 50 years ago and, um, you know, you wanted to, dress up as a cartoon animal and be a cartoon animal when you grew up, like everyone around you would just be like, no, don't do that. That's, you know, but now you can go online and find like 10,000 people who all want to grow up to be the same cartoon animal that you want to be. And it's like, and and so, so that this, this element of, um, a really unhealthy embodied experience. And then this like, tailor-made like concierge online experience that can fit with like whatever weirdness you're into uh that's a really dangerous combination and so i think part of what you're doing is you're like hey let's make the real world a more attractive place to be and a more you know healthy place to be so i think that's great yeah no and you're talking about like stuff like games and the metaverse and all that right where you can go in and just take on whatever persona you want 
you know. And, sure, sure. Or, and just social or, media in general. Social media in general. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's so funny you're bringing that up because I was thinking about that the other day. And again, so much compassion. My heart goes out to people. I, I can just see some people who are not fulfilled or satisfied in their personal life because, and maybe they don't know it, but because of poor health. But then they can get into this online reality where they can actually be the person that they actually wanted to be or want to be, you know, and they can look the way right. that they want to look and strong and powerful. And, and it's, I'm, it's seriously like, that's a weird synchronicity because I was like, we have the greatest metaverse, which is called life right here. Like, it's just, it's amazing, but it's like, how are we able to show up to that? And if you don't have your health, it's hard to show up to that in a good way and really embrace it and cherish it. And I think the two, maybe the two things that you have to inculcate is one, you can make the journey fun. Like you can, you can enjoy yourself on one of the, so one of the things that like, uh, blew my mind, I I think it was actually a comedy video. Like, I don't think it was a serious trainer video or anything that I was saying was he, he was talking about the pump and he was like, the pump is a time machine. The pump is, that's how you're going to look in, in six weeks if you do that again. And, um, and I was like, oh yeah. So then every time I go to the gym and I get a great pump, I go, I go look at it and I'm like, ah, there it is. That's, that's where I want to be. And, and so that, that's one thing is like, you, you got to make the journey seem fun. And then two, you got to make the destination worth it. Like what's, what's really possible for you? How happy could you be? How, you know, how healthy, how strong, um, there's a huge, yeah. uh, dream weaving, component to this yeah absolutely yeah and you and you that's why it's always you know like we said in the very beginning connecting with a vision a vision for yourself and health and and it doesn't have to be uh set in stone that can evolve as you get more information and try new things but um but yeah just kind of imagining what's possible and where i actually want to be you know that's a, a lot of people don't even take the time to sit down and just think about what they want for their life because they're so uh, involved in the, in the rat race. And they're so involved in doing what they think they're supposed to do based on what they've been raised to, to think they're supposed to do, you know? And, and, um, it's rare that I think people sit and actually question, you know, like, what is it that I really want? Like, what, what do I want to do with my life? Like if, you know, if I passed away in 20 years, like, you know, would I be happy with what I did or the adventures that I embarked on? So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I I, uh, I want to ask you. So you you've mentioned some things about how you got started. Can you tell me a little bit about going from zero to one? How did you get your first paying client, and 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 how did you how did you make that grow? Did you make that grow while you while you had another thing going, or were you unattached at the time? Um, so when I started this, I, I, I burned all my bridges. Um, so what happened was I was, you know, I had this diagnosis, I was doing insurance. I was very unhealthy. I had this realization that, Hey, I guess, you know, some of what I think is healthy is not healthy, you know? Um, and that was a very humbling moment, right. To have spent the majority of my life or even flex and muscle and fitness. Like, I know what I'm doing. Like, look, man, I got my little meal plan here and I got my freaking workout program. And then to, to have that diagnosis, it was a wake up call, but having that, that little realization of maybe some of what I think is healthy is not was a, a huge turning point. Um, I went vegan for a couple of years and, you know, first six months I felt great, lost a lot of weight and then things derailed towards the you know, 16 month mark or something like that. Um, then I found what I consider to be like a ancestral health type stuff. Um, and, and it was like, 
it just I reintroduced meat and but you know it also was cutting out things that I was supposed to cut out and that was just like I was like okay this is this is there's something about this here this has got a lot of truth in it and I started working on my family first so I was really I was so excited about it we'd go you know Christmas vacation and I, I know my family was so sick of me at the in those days of like forcing them to watch documentaries and uh, you know, yeah. they're like, hey, we don't want to hear any more of this. My sister's a registered dietitian. And so she was, uh, kind of believed in the food pyramid and low fat and whole grains and all that stuff. So she didn't want to hear any of it, you know, but, um, but I think just starting with the family and the friends and it was like, I was experimenting because, um, I, I felt like I wanted to do this, but I wasn't positive. I didn't know what was possible. And so when I got some results from some friends and family members, I was like, okay, all right, I can do something with this. So burned all my bridges, sold my insurance accounts, canceled my appointments. And there was a distance course for uh, a nutritional therapy school here in Vegas. My best friend at the time, um, his dad had a vacation home here and he wasn't there for the period of time that the school was going to be going on. So I basically slept on his couch and attended the school. I got the results from these uh, few people that I work with that were friends and family. So I had a little bit of confidence there. And then as I was scheduling these talks, I'd inevitably I'd send out like a little follow-up email and I'd have someone say, Hey, what are you, you know, and that was it. Like I had one person from a whole food talk that said, Hey, you know, like, um, what are your, what are your charge? What do you charge for your services? And that was it. Met them in the dining room table. And I was like, okay, I can, I can do this, you know? And you had, you know, you had some sales background, which I'm sure was, was helpful. I mean, you kind of, you know, just, just knowing like, ah, I, I'll put up flyers and I'll go to Whole Foods. Like you, you had that mentality of, of how do I get on the hunt for this? Yeah. Yep. And yeah, for um, sure. that's a, that, that's a powerful thing. I, 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 I love sales guys because, <laughs> because they're so versatile, you know, you can, you can yeah. point them in almost any direction. Uh, which means that once they find the thing that they deeply love, they it yeah. just you light them on fire. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I I totally agree because I think that's the hardest part for most people, depending on what your industry is. But I know in in the um, nutritional uh, health coaching world, it's like there's a lot of people that are passionate about learning the info, putting it into practice, and working with people. But to get the people, that's the really intimidating part. You know, like how do I get them? I, most people don't have the, the uh, I don't know what to call it, the guts to walk into a business and try to try to find someone to talk to. And I mean, it's just, you know, the, the, the fear of rejection is, is, is real, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still chewing on this question of like, to what extent can that be taught? Like, I, I think it can be to, taught to an extent. I think you can, you can shorten the distance. It like it's still going to be a leap of faith, but you can be like, all right, it's it's a four foot leap, it's not an eight yeah. foot leap, you know. And um, I, <laughs> I, I'm st I'm not sure about that. I'm not I'm not sure uh, exactly. Like, do you do you do you need to find the right person who's ready to make that jump, or can you take anybody and bring them? You know. Are you talking about and the right person to to get them to commit to the sales process, or are you talking about like a entrepreneurship fitness oh, yeah. any whatever it is being action oriented oh, um yeah. uh, being able to to jump out into the dark i i think about my own experience you know you mentioned burning your ships um i mean i got fired that was how i started this thing 
um, I got doxxed and I got fired um, for for my for my Twitter account. And um, I tried a reverse engineer a way for me to make this happen without that event, and I I can't see it. I can't I can't picture it in my mind. And so it's it's not that I couldn't. Uh, theoretically have have put it together in my off hours because i had the time i could have um it's just would i you know yeah and so and, and i don't know is that crisis necessary for everybody probably not um mm-hmm. and I, yeah it's a question of like who is it necessary for and is there is there maybe a way to like engineer that crisis for yourself i mean i i clearly subconsciously did like, I didn't have to be in the shitpost game at all. Like, mm-hmm. I could have deleted that account at any time, you know, and, and been fine. So it sounds like that that shaped what you're doing right now, right? You're saying that that led to, yeah, and, and that's part of why you have such a passion for it. So Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I, I kept thinking like, oh, I should get rid of this, but it's the only thing I'm doing outside of my family that means anything to me right now because hmm. my job is so boring and stupid and maybe even like counterproductive. It's like bad for the world. And, um, I, you know, so, so I, I definitely, there was an extent to which I was participating with the people who were trying to dox me. I was like, come on come on, dox me. I wouldn't have said that to myself at the time, but that's clearly what I was doing. And so maybe yeah. there's a way to be, be deliberate about that. Like, what are you, what are you trying to burn down? What are you trying to sabotage? And let's just face that head on instead of this passive aggressive thing that you're doing. Yeah. Or know. what's not, what's not working for you? I mean, yeah. um, or, or what are you not happy with? You know, it's like you could look at anything. I'm, you're bringing up such a good point. And, and I think the point there is that um, you know, being where you are, that's something that's relatively successful or happy or whatever you want to call that. Right. A lot of mm-hmm. times it came from the wisdom accumulated from those difficult, challenging life situations, you know, Pain. and, um, it's like, you can use what's wrong to help you focus on what it is that you want instead. So if you're in a, a position, we, we kind of do this with our envisioning stuff is like, what are you not happy about? What do you wish were different? Okay. So, so then what's the opposite of that? What do you want? What, how, how do you wish things were different? It could be a good catalyst for it. And then I agree. Sometimes people have to hit almost like what's a rock bottom. But, but even then, it's a blessing in disguise because I wouldn't be here if I wasn't extremely unhealthy and about to die from a heart attack. You know, like, that's why I'm here. I don't know that I would be here if it wasn't for that experience. So in some right. ways, it's, 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 it's part of my wisdom. 100%. You, yeah. you mentioned on your site, and I, I also want to spend a little bit of time on um, how you've made this transition into self-reliance and preparedness. But on your website, you've got these six elements in your system, food, fitness, sleep. And then on the spiritual side, it's social practice and nature. I feel like the food, fitness, sleep, that, that maybe explains itself. But can you talk about the other three? So social would be just acknowledging um, the power of being with other people going through a similar experience. Right. The power of community. I think um, uh, our evolutionary past has kind of proven to us that like we're very social creatures and we used to have to depend on the support of other people to survive. 
And so there's mm-hmm. something very primordial in this about having the support of others. And so that's what I mean by the social component. Um, in this world, I think people uh, tend to isolate themselves a lot more than, than we used to. And for all the things that you mentioned before, um, social media, technology, games, metaverse, I mean, you name it, right? Um, could be partially due to just like poor health. But that social component is like really, really powerful. Um, when I say practice, practice to me is another way of saying meditation and mindfulness. Um, I call mm. it practice because when you when you meditate, or just from my perspective, you're practicing for everyday life. So as you notice your thinking, and you know you sit and you have a focus, you notice yourself talking to yourself, you notice yourself lost in thought, you acknowledge it, and you come back to whatever your focus is, and that's practice for the rest of your day. So that if mm. I notice myself pissed off or upset or um, you know just uh, getting distracted from what it is that I'm working on, then I can notice it, and then I can come back. So it's like I'm I'm practicing a really powerful skill. So that practice is really another word for meditation and mindfulness. Um, uh, and then uh, what was the other one? It was a nature. I'm looking at the picture. Nature. Oh yeah. Nature is just basically getting outdoors, disconnecting, going barefoot, getting sun, fresh air, camping, backpacking, hiking, and things like that. Just a um, man. I mean, we all feel and experience that when you get out outside of your little urban environment and, um, and sure. go on a hike or a camping trip. It's just, it's rejuvenating. There's, again, something very primordial about disconnecting from all the technology. You mentioned live events. Do you do that kind of thing on the live events or is it more seminar-based or what? what, what is a live event like? Um, well, so live now is getting more and more virtual, um, but, but no matter where I'm at, like we'll have local events. So we do camping trips, trail rides in our Jeeps, hikes. Um, we'll do dinners. Um, so a lot of the live events could be some local situations like this weekend, we have a dinner at one of our steakhouses here locally and got a pretty decent little crowd going. Um, but a lot of the live stuff is, is virtual based, like seminars, classes. Um, gotcha. You know, sometimes it could be, I, I did a barefoot workshop the other day out of the park and I, I zoomed it. So, um, could be things where I'm out there and they're not, but <laughs> they're kind of <laughs> through a zoom call. Yeah, you say you're increasingly virtual. Um, do you, is there a difference in your like offering as far as like in-person coaching versus virtual or is it is it pretty much the same? It's pretty much the same. Um, a lot of people do like that intimate connection. So, and I do too. Like, I think there's just something very, very powerful about face-to-face with someone. Um, sure. And at the same time, I can reach a lot more people and, and reach people that don't, live locally or just don't have the ability to, to meet with me in person. So, but, but the structure of the things is the same. It's just, you know, contextually, it just feels a little bit different. Um, but I try to mimic what I would do with a person in person. So, um, I have a a client that I visited with this morning and we just scheduled a virtual shopping tour and I haven't done this yet, but, um, but if I have a local client, we'll go to the store and go up and down the aisles and read labels together and, and find alternatives to things that we think we have to give up. And so this client, we scheduled one for uh, later this week uh, or uh, early next week. And I'm going to be going through the store and have my Zoom thing on and just pretend like I'm like, all right, so check this out. See this and put the camera around. So, we're, so I'm going to try to do a virtual version of that. But yeah, it's, it's very similar. There's a huge value for, I think, particularly for a fitness coach, but any kind of coaching in just eliminating decision fatigue. Mm-hmm. And just, just like for me, I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, in nutrition and fitness, but I'm not, um, 
you know, it's not my thing. Uh, and so I've got a, I've got a lifting coach and, and, and yeah, I'll, I'll run everything by him and, and be like, Hey, can you just, just kind of make this decision for me? Or like, I'm having this, um, I'm having this shoulder twinge and, and, and what I would normally do is like, just stop working out or, or I would push through and maybe hurt myself. But now every time I'm like, Hey man, I'm, you know, the, uh, the, the skull crushers, it's a little weird on my elbow. And he'll be like, well, maybe swap that out for some cable stuff or we'll figure it out. So like it, it, and I think with nutrition, it's the same thing. It's like, just help me make the decision. And and I don't want to consider the whole universe of possibilities. I want you to boil Absolutely. it down. Yeah. And there's probably a, there's probably a comparison to the entrepreneur game too. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said about working with someone who's been there, done that, you know, and, and can help you make those decisions or having the confidence that if I have a question about this thing, I can turn to this person that probably has some experience with it. And also if that person's humble enough to be able to say like, I'm not sure, but I can try to help you find the answer or we can find it together. That's, that's a really good indicator too. Um, on that limited decisions, man, I'm right there with you too, man. I, it's like some people go into uh, a better way of eating and it's like, it's, they're like giving up all these things, right? I'm like a better way to look at it is like my decisions are limited and that makes things really easy. This is what I yeah. eat. This is what I don't, you know? Yeah. I like the simplicity of it. And just swap. Like, I, I love the approach of taking your normal routine and just gradually make one component at a time. Well, what if instead of the bun, you did the lettuce or what, you know, like swapping one thing out at a time so that it's not this like, you know, dramatic yep. transformation. Oh yeah. That's, um, that's where I think a lot of people get into trouble with that. It's like, I call it the perfectionist mindset. And mm -hmm. I think you're alluding to a lot of it in the entrepreneurial world, but it's this all or nothing. It's like, okay, I'm freaking, I'm a hundred percent going in on this thing and I'm doing it and they go hardcore for like five days. And then the pendulum swings in the other direction and they're like, all right, forget this. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. And then they look for something else. But based on what you're saying, it's like, yeah, it's, it's better to make these small incremental changes that you stick with. And you got this one thing that's like, now that you've changed that, it's part of who you are. It's your, it's a habit for life. And now we're going to add to that. And then we're going to add to that. And before you know it, you look three years down the road, you're a completely different person. Yeah. And that's, I think that's why that's maybe the role of a coach is that you're not, um, again, it's not a text that you can just implement. It's, you need a Sherpa, you need somebody yeah. to, to encourage you. And if you, if you don't like something, help you interrogate why you don't like it. Like, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody be like, nah, I just kind of lost interest in that. And so I'm just thinking about my, my day job and whatever. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. You just didn't like that one thing. Let's talk about why you didn't like it. Why was that not the thing? And let's find the other thing. Let's not go back to, you hated that job. Come on. Yeah, stay with me. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and most of the time, if you, if you just present that to people, they respond to it and they stay on track and it's great. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you're, anyway, you're, I, you're, you're, a, you're a master coach yourself. Cause that's exactly, <laughs> it's like you're picking up on it's, um, uh, it's change talk, you know, it's like them contradicting themselves. It's saying, I'm really not happy with this, but I'm going to keep doing this. Like, and so you mm -hmm. highlight that you're like, oh, hold on a second. Now you say that you want this and yet you're doing this. What, what, what's going on here? Let's try to figure this out together. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you, if you really just want to be fat, like, okay, but I don't think you do. Like, you know, we've, 
we've come we've come a long way on this. Um, yeah, so absolutely. Um, well, the, uh, the 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 website is superhumantransformation.com. Paul T. Harina, uh, thanks so much for for joining us. If you guys want to get your uh, your fitness dialed in, go check out Paul. And if you're interested in, in getting out of the day job or starting a business or or uh, or just becoming more more self reliant, more prepared, you can check us out at exitgroup.us. Follow us on Twitter at exit underscore org. Thanks, Paul. Dude, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to share it with other people and share what you do with other people too and with my group. Thanks, man.